Are you a fan of the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast? Do you want more episodes, more magic, and more guests? Do you want our show to reach and inspire more of those in need? Well, we can really use your support. If you would like to help us in our mission to spread awareness and destigmatize mental health struggles, we ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with friends, family, and folks you might think would enjoy and benefit from our content. Most importantly, please consider joining our Patreon community and becoming a contributor. As one of our Patreon contributors, you will get access to exclusive content, announcements, videos, and more. You will join a community of like-minded pop culture enthusiasts that celebrate our connections to our favorite movies, TV shows, icons, and superheroes. As a contributor, you will also be helping us support mental health charities as 15% of our proceeds are donated monthly. To join our Patreon community, go to www.patreon.com, make an account, search for Superhero Therapy, and select one of our tiers. Now, on with the show. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we are continuing our journey with the Prisoner of Azkaban. We're on Chapter 2, Aunt Marge's Big Mistake. This chapter starts out with the Dursleys gathered around the television and they're watching a breaking news story about a escaped convict named Sirius Black. What a fantastic name for a character, don't you think? I love Sirius Black's name. He's your favorite, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's such a great name. What a fantastic name. But Uncle Vernon immediately started judging the man based off of his appearance. I think it's safe to say that this book revolves around false perceptions. And the door swings both ways. People who appear clean-cut and nice could be villains and dirty. Rugged and poor-looking people could be heroes. What do you think about the whole judgment based on appearances thing? I think it's a great parallel that we see for real life, right? How often do people get judged on appearance? How often do people get judged on the clothes that they wear or perhaps the color of their skin? Right? How often do people get shot for the color of their skin? How often are people assumed to be criminals for the color of their skin or the way that they look? I think you at one point were judged by the cops when you had long hair, right? Yeah. They assumed <laughs> that you definitely. had drugs on you just because you had long hair. Yeah. And I think that it really says a lot. Any of us could be in a situation where we're down on our luck anybody could potentially become homeless especially with everything going on right now worldwide anybody could have some kind of a misunderstanding and given our justice system at times especially if you're a minority anybody could end up in jail often for a crime they didn't commit as it happened to Sirius Black again it was more likely to happen to somebody who is non-white and so I'm wondering if there's a double meaning here with his last name. Mm. And how often are people assumed to be bad 
after they go through a misfortune? How often do people then say, well, it's this person's fault that something bad happened to them. It's this person's fault that either they went through this terrible disease or they were assaulted or they went to jail without ever stopping to think what actually happened to this person. And how often do people who are more privileged, like the Dursleys, are then presumed to be good people just because they're clean cut and well dressed. And so I think that it's a great point for us to really evaluate our own prejudices. How do we jump to conclusions? How do we assume what kind of a person we're looking at? There was a study, I can't remember now, unfortunately, the name of the researchers, but essentially researchers showed a group of participants pictures of people of different skin colors, different cultural backgrounds, and in these pictures, the people were either smiling or making a sad face or an angry face. And the participants were then asked to rate if they thought that the individuals in these pictures were good people or bad people. And what the researchers found is that the participants were more likely to rate minorities and people who had either a sad or an angry facial expressions as bad compared to white participants and participants that were smiling. Speaking of false perception, it is suggested that Aunt Petunia is a nosy busybody, according to Harry. She stares out the window and spies on her law-abiding neighbors. With so many of these current instances of prejudiced people calling authorities on innocent people because of the way they look, can you talk about some reasons why some people act like this and are so nosy and the best way to deal with them? Such a great question. I think there is an assumption that people who are different are automatically banned. Unfortunately, there's this assumption. And the assumption is that by being vigilant in this way, that this person is doing the right thing. I think it comes from, once again, this belief in otherness, this belief that if people don't fall into the same box, then they're not only other, but therefore bad. This is how prejudice happens. By only noticing the differences between us and another group of people. And so I think for a lot of people that might call the police on, let's say, an African-American person entering a building, assuming that this person is breaking in rather than assuming that this person lives there. The people that call the police are, I think, assuming that they're doing the right thing and they're assuming that everyone over a particular group is a bad person. In that moment, that person might be not aware of their own prejudices. And so I think it is really by reflecting upon our own internalized prejudices, by really exploring our beliefs, by diving into some literature, like just to see other people's perspectives, maybe reading books and narratives and watching movies from cultures that are different from our own can allow us to have a better understanding of what other people go through. For so many people who are born with slightly different skin pigmentation, for example, unfortunately, it starts on day one, the prejudice starts on day one, where 
doctors might be less likely to attend to a child of uh, you know let's say a darker skin color or police might be more likely to stop a person that looks that way and as we saw in so many videos individuals are more likely to call the police on a person that is black or otherwise BIPOC and I don't think it will stop until all of us take a look at our own prejudices. It won't stop until all of us really notice what our own beliefs are and spend some time really connecting to people from all different cultures and understanding their point of view. And again, watching movies and documentaries and reading books from other people's points of view so that we can see not the differences, but the similarities mm -hmm. between what we value and what other people value and also understand what other people go through to have more empathy, more compassion and otherness to reduce this fear of what we don't understand. It has been suggested that people be a little bit more compassionate towards the person who is approaching these people based on something that could be bothering them or whatever. What do you think about that? I would think that the individuals that are being questioned about whether they live there are not just questioned that one time. Uh, I, know. I would think that it probably happens several times a day over many days, over many years, over a lifetime. And so by the time that this person is coming home and some person is questioning whether they live there and is requesting that they show some kind of proof of ID, it is extremely triggering. Mm -hmm. You know, I see a lot of patients that are going through this that have been through not only their own lifelong trauma, but also intergenerational trauma whose parents and grandparents went through this. And it's extremely, extremely triggering for people to be questioned just about existing. And so I think to have the expectation of the person that is being prejudiced against to be the compassionate one is not fair. I think it's the oppressors that need to check their racism. It's the oppressors that need to check their views. It's the Aunt Petunias of the world. And I think we should switch from Karens to Aunt Petunias yeah. <laughs> of the world. It's up to them to really think about where that prejudice comes from and really take some time to reflect on why do I automatically assume this person doesn't live here? And would I treat this person any differently if they were white? Mm -hmm. This chapter introduces a whole new character and she is something else. Her name's Aunt Marge. When Aunt Marge's name is mentioned, Harry is immediately triggered. She treats him so horribly. She constantly insults him and his parents and once even gave Harry dog biscuits for Christmas present. Aunt Marge is an awful human being. I honestly think she is the epitome of pure evil. She's so evil she actually had the neighbor drown a puppy because it was a runt. I mean, in this chapter, they make this person out to be just horrible. What kind of a person does something like this? Why do they do it? And what could they possibly get from treating someone, especially a child, this way? You know, we only see Aunt Marge in this one chapter, right? We never see her again right, never. in the series. 
And so there's not enough information, but I, in rereading this chapter, I really wondered if she is psychopathic. And psychopathy tends to refer to what's called antisocial personality disorder. Somebody that has antisocial personality disorder is somebody that is devoid of empathy, as in this person is not capable, biologically incapable of having empathy for other people. It doesn't mean that they don't care about anyone. She seems to care about spending time with her brother, with Vernon, and she seems to care about her nephew, Dudley. Is that my daughter? Is that my little But she is not capable of empathy toward other people and even toward certain other dogs, especially if they don't fit her needs. People with this disorder are likely to be impulsive, are likely to be at times irresponsible. And we know that she abuses substances, especially she drinks a lot. Can I tempt you, Marge? Just a small one. Excellent nosh, Petunia. A bit more. Usually just to fry up for me, what, with 12 dogs? A bit more. That's a boy. Mm. Ah, you want to try a little drop of brandy? A little drop of pretty brandy wouldn't be wonderful, little tippy too. When Harry breaks her glass with magic, she implies that it's not the first time it's happened to her, meaning that it's not the first time she's broken something while drunk. And her constant belittling of Harry is also something that fits within this potential diagnosis. Again, I've never met much, thankfully, and I would never want to, even if <laughs> she were would? real. So I can't say with certainty whether she meets this diagnosis, but I wouldn't be surprised if she does. So people who are psychopathic people who meet the criteria for antisocial personality disorder at times derive great pleasure from putting other people down, insulting other people from being seen as better than other people. Oh, you're still here, are you? Yes. You say yes in that ungrateful way. Good of my brother to keep you. He'd have been straight into an orphanage if he'd been dumped on my doorstep, Vernon. <laughs> I'm wondering if Vernon has this trait, although not to the same degree as his sister, because he seems to almost enjoy bullying Harry, as does Dudley. Mm -hmm. She even bribes Dudley to hug her and kiss her, right? Mm -hmm. By giving him a 20-pound note every time she sees him. So it seems like she's really self-absorbed. She only talks about what she wants to talk about without any regard how she comes across. And at no point does she stop to think about how her actions are affecting other people, especially Harry, but even Petunia, because she keeps saying terrible things about Lily. And at no point does she ever check in with Petunia or Harry to see how they feel about what she's saying. She kind of says, not to put you down, Petunia, but your sister, you know, she does that little butt thing. Which is very common for people who are condescending like that, for people who are bullies. Yeah, Vernon and Marge, just seeing how they act, they must have had the most awesome parents in the world. I mean, wow. <laughs> and you're saying awesome sarcastically oh, here. Of course I am. <laughs> it has to trickle from somewhere, but man, she's something else. 
getting back on track, being that it's the third year at Hogwarts for Harry, he needs a parental signature to visit the town of Hogsmeade, which is really close by Hogwarts. He and Uncle Vernon kind of negotiate some terms in an agreement. Uncle Vernon, I need you to sign this form. What is it? Nothing. School stuff. Later, perhaps, if you behave. I will if she does. If Harry behaves and says that he attends St. Brutus's Secure Center for Incurable Criminal Boys, Uncle Vernon will sign the form. I mean, great name, St. Brutus. It just sounds so brutal, brutal, doesn't it? So besides a form of bribery or whatever you want to call it, this got me thinking about lying to aid the greater good. What do you think about lies like this? I actually think that it's pretty typical, unfortunately, in abusive families for a family member to bribe the child into lying for their cause in order to get their way. And so there's so many children, unfortunately, that come from abusive and manipulative families that are taught like, hey, if you want this, if you want this candy, for example, or if you want this toy, then you have to lie to your mommy and you have to tell her this. This is a very typical manipulation by a family member. It was Vernon's idea. When Harry brought the slip to him, Vernon said, if you want your slip signed, basically you have to lie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Harry's learning from watching his aunt and uncle lie in order to get their way how to essentially manipulate other people and so yes here he comes up with this bribe if you will to say i will lie for you if you want me to but for you to sign my slip and how sad and heartbreaking is it that this precious 13 year old boy feels like he has to lie and pretend to be in this school to pretend to be beaten with a stick on a regular basis just to be able to get a school form signed and how many children go through the exact same thing and why does vernon hold his sister in such high esteem that he cares about her opinion anyway he seems like a selfish dude in my opinion but it's all about appearances for vernon and petunia that is true But you were speaking about the cane, and there is a moment where Aunt Marge asks if they use the cane or essentially beat students at St. Brutus's. What are you smirking at? Where is it you send the boy, Vernon? St. Brutus's. It's a fine institution for hopeless cases. They use a cane at St. Brutus's, boy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've been beaten loads of times. Mm. Excellent. I won't have this namby-pamby, wishy-washy nonsense about not beating people who deserve it. Why do you think some instructors believe in punishment in this way? And why do you think they think it's an efficient motivational tool? And I mean, what the hell? What we know from research about punishment is that punishment is effective at changing behavior in the short term, but it doesn't function the way that we might think it does. It functions to change the behavior briefly out of fear. However, in the long term, it breeds anger and resentment, not to mention trauma. And so the individual might change their behavior to avoid punishment, but in the long term, they'll learn how to pretend that behavior is not occurring, how to be better at hiding it. 
But a much more productive way of changing somebody's behavior is actually to talk to them about it, is actually to discuss different options, is actually to see what's going on for that person. For example, if a child brings home a bad grade, the parent can punish the child, sure. If that happens, the child will feel shame and they will be pushed to study, not motivated, but scared and shamed into studying. But in the long term, if they are struggling, then they might be more likely to hide their grades from their parents. However, if the parent sits down with the child and says, hey, what's going on? Can I help? What are you going through? Let's get you some support or some tutoring where I can sit with you and help you with homework. Then that child will feel encouraged and will be more likely to get support when they need it. And so I think that punishment is a lazy form of discipline. And I think that people are mistaken when they think it gets results because they see very quick changes, but these changes don't last. And then the very people that they're likely to punish are likely to rebel against them down the line. Yeah, that's beautiful, by the way. I, I like that thought that it's kind of lazy to use that kind of punishment. Every time Aunt Marge would insult Harry or put him down, Harry would force himself to concentrate on his do-it-yourself broom kit that Hermione got him, and he would focus on this to avoid lashing out or responding to these horrible things. He really wanted Uncle Vernon's signature on that Hogmeade's form. <laughs> How powerful are distractions like these, and is it actually positive to do something like this? I don't think it's a distraction. I think it's a motivation. I think for Harry, it gave him something to look forward to. It gave him a reason to do this hard thing. And remembering the big picture in any kind of a difficult situation is important, right? Kind of like when we're studying for a test, we might be tired, we might not really wanna study, but remembering what it's for, remembering that it's important to us, for example, to do well in school, that it might be important for us to graduate, to be able to do these amazing things after we graduate, um, can give us the motivation to keep going. And for Harry, unfortunately, he had to endure a lot of abuse in this case, as is in the case of a lot of, again, children who are going through abusive relationships with their family members. But I think that for him, remembering the big picture was his survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting point you made there. So Aunt Marge, at the end, ends up provoking Harry to his breaking point. There are two instances where Harry's anger builds up enough for his magic to burst out from him without a spell or a wand or without him really even knowing it. In one instance in this chapter is when he causes her wine glass to shatter, as you mentioned earlier. You mustn't blame yourself about how this one turned out, Vernon. It's all to do with blood. Bad blood will out. What is it the boy's father did, Petunia? Nothing. He, did, he didn't work. He was, he was unemployed. And a drunk too, no doubt. That's a lie. What did you say? My dad wasn't a drunk. Oh, don't worry, don't oh. fuss, Petunia. I have a very firm grip. <laughs> I think it's time you went to bed. Quiet, Vernon. You clean it up. And the other is at the end when he causes her to blow up like a balloon and she floats away from the family. It's nothing to do with the father. It's always to do with the mother. You see it all the time with dogs. <laughs> if there's something wrong with the bitch, then there's something wrong with the pup. 
Shut up! Shut up! Hmm. Right. Let me tell you. say about the power of provocation here and the result of suppressing anger? Well, in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, we learn about the obscurial. We learn about what happens when we suppress our magical potential. And I believe that our emotions are a source of magic for all of us, for all humans. And suppressing our emotions can create this parasitic force right? This Mm -hmm. obscurial. And it can make us lash out or explode. And I think that's essentially what's happening here with Harry. And not that I think he was developing an obscurial, but I think that in suppressing his anger, he ended up exploding. I think our emotions are meant to be felt. Our feelings are meant to be felt. That's why they're called feelings. Mm -hmm. And if we force ourselves to suppress how we feel and we keep on being poked and poked and poked the way that he was by Aunt Marge, it makes sense that after a while, any person would explode. And so it's understandable that Harry, when pushed beyond his limit, with all the bullying, it's not just this time from Mount Marge, it's for years from the Dursleys, would end up reaching his breaking point and lashing out. Mm-hmm. That was her big mistake. <laughs> the namesake of the chapter there. Ultimately, after she flies away, Uncle Vernon and Harry get into this large fight and Harry packs his bags and goes. And that's the end of the chapter. And that's the end of this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag HarryPotterTherapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay magical and take care. The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening.